0: Hello and welcome to Clearing the Lens with me, Melissa Lovell, a podcast to equip and help you in your ultimate calling, which is to glorify God. I'm a newlywed, a mom, a Bible-believing Christian, and a woman in corporate, and I'm so excited to be talking to you today. So today, we're talking about a topic that I'm really curious about, and that's the manifestation movement. This is something that we see and read everywhere, especially on social media. I wanted to know if it's something that's beneficial for me that I can adopt in my personal life or if it's problematic when I hold hold it up to the Bible. We do see manifestation and things that kind of go with it um, in Christian circles as well. And so I really wanted to understand with this episode if it's just a matter of using different words to describe what we Christians already believe or if it's just another form of self-focused idolatry. All right. Let's find out together. Okay, so in terms of what manifestation is, I'm going to start off with defining my terms. BerkeleyWellbeing.com says, The word manifestation means to create something or turn something from an idea into a reality. In psychology, manifestation generally means using our thoughts, feelings and beliefs to bring something to our physical reality. PsychLuxuries.com says the process of bringing our desires into reality through our thoughts, beliefs and feelings is what manifestation is. The Washington Post defines it as the idea that you can think something into existence. Soft.com says the idea of bringing something you want into existence through aspirational thought practices. In terms of the history of manifestation, it's not something that's new. However, the origin is difficult to pinpoint. Generally, people agree that it has Eastern origins, can be traced back to ancient spiritual teachings, including Hindu, Buddhist, and Taoism ideas about the unity of our mind, our body, and the universe. There's, there was a, And then there was the 19th century thought movement, which was spearheaded by the likes of Oliver Napoleon Hill, who was an American self-help author and con man. He's best known for his work Think and Grow Rich, which was published in 1937, which is among the best-selling self-help books of all time. Um, The likes of Wallace D. Wattles, who was born in the U.S. in 1860, and he began his tireless study of the religious beliefs and philosophies of the world, and it was through his examination of such philosophies that he developed his own principles and successfully applied them to his life and shared them in his innovative 1910 book called The Science of Getting Rich. And then there was Louise Hay, who's also known as one of the founders of the self-help movement, and her first book was called Heal Your Body. And this was published in 1976, long before it was fashionable to discuss the connection between the mind and The body. She did have some controversy in her career. She began using her platform to tell gay members they could overcome AIDS through self love. Um, And naturally, those claims were meant with some criticism for being unscientific and even harmful. And then there was Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was a New England preacher, essayist, lecturer, poet, and philosopher. And he was one of the most influential writers and thinkers of the 19th century in the u.s and he was also the first major american literary and intellectual figure to widely explore and write seriously about and seek to broaden the domestic audience for classical asian and middle eastern works and then more recently there was the secret which was published by rhonda byrne that was in 2006 And the principle around that was really that like attracts like. So if you want to attract positive things into your life, you need to focus on positive thinking, positive feelings and your desires. And then more recently as well, we've got Gabby Bernstein, who describes herself as a world-renowned spiritual leader and best-selling self-help author. Um, And Oprah named her, the new thought leader. And of course, we have Oprah, who recently called herself a powerful manifester. And so this is something that has ancient roots that has found its way into our culture right now. What it looks like, generally, you have people speaking about things like vision boards, um, intention journals, um, meditation, prayer as well. Um, and the common language that you hear in these circles is that you're co-creating with the universe. This can go hand in hand with things like astrology and Meditation, like I've mentioned, the ideas of tapping into our inner selves and identifying what we truly desire and understanding our inner selves. A key caveat, though, that I saw on from my research is that you can only manifest in line with your higher purpose. In order to manifest your desires, you need to be equal to the vibration. Being above it or below it will not make you a vibrational match. And this is really the secret to harnessing the true power of manifestation, apparently. So what does that mean? Well, let's break it down. Basically, you have to be at the same level as your desires. So in the same vibration than what you want, or you'll never be able to achieve your dreams. So the first thing you need to do with manifestation, it seems, is to change your vibration, which involves getting an understanding of how energy works. And you need to raise your vibration and you do this by thinking positive things and meditating on those daily. Some accessories that I noted online were things like manifestation toolboxes, um, journals, rings, necklaces, affirmation boxes, crystals, manifestation sessions, pages, apps, manifestation music. There doesn't seem to be an exact way or prescribed way that you manifest however and so There aren't any set qualifications in this area as well. And really anyone can be an expert to summarize what I've said so far, really the key part of manifestation is our thoughts, creating our realities and co-creation with the universe and being on the same level or vibration as what you are seeking and not being over it or under it because that could then limit or block you from achieving what you want. And so if you want to raise your vibration, let's say you're under the vibration of what you want, then you'd need to, once again, think positive things and meditate on that. Meditation seems to be a really key thing um, when it comes to this movement. Looking at some stats around the interest in manifestation, Interest did rise among Gen Zers and during the pandemic specifically. As lockdowns began, Google searches of manifesting went up 600%. Journals.plus.org has a study called Job Loss and Mental Health During the COVID-19 Lockdown, evidence from South Africa. And the studies estimate that between 2.2 and 2.8 million adults in the country lost their jobs from February to April 2020 following the lockdown and the wide-scale suspension of economic activity. This loss of employment has significant implications for people's access to economic resources, and it may also be an important reason why innovative depression symptoms were reported among adults during the first month of the, pa- of the pandemic. They state that the study showed that among a sample of adults who were employed before the lockdown in South Africa, those who lost their jobs or whose jobs were furloughed reported significantly more vulnerability to depression than those who retained employment. According to a report released by Stats Essay called Measuring Food Security in South Africa, applying the food insecurity experience scale, almost 23.6% of South Africans in 2020 were affected by moderate to severe food insecurity while almost 14.9% experienced severe food insecurity. When we look at the Gen Z profile, which was a group where interest around manifestation also rose sharply and is quite high currently, AECF.org says that the typical Gen Zer is very tech-savvy, progressively, po- progressive politically, very pragmatic in terms of their solutions they're highly collaborative and social however they do have mental health challenges which leads to them sometimes being referred to as the loneliest generation as their endless hours spent online can foster feelings of isolation and depression their mental health is also affected by the turbulent state of the world so while i don't think that everyone who practices manifestation has mental health issues or necessarily that it's only people who lost jobs during the pandemic. We can't discount the allure that thinking our desires into existence would have on us as a human race after something as uncontrollable and unprecedented as a pandemic, and the sometimes hopelessness of the social and political landscape we find ourselves in today. Truly, I get it. How is manifestation different or similar to faith? Because someone could say, this sounds like faith, right? I think about something that I want, I meditate or I pray and then I believe that God will do this for me. Well, let's look into that. So what is faith? Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Romans 10 verse 14 to 7 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 to 5 we see, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be on the wisdom of men but in the power of god philippians 1 verse 27 says only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of christ so that whether i come and see you or am absent i may hear of your affairs that you may stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel in 2 corinthians 5 verse 1 to 9 we read for we know that if our earthly house This tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we should not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared for us this very thing is God who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore we make it our aim whether present or absent To be well pleasing to him. And so we see that faith is a belief and a trust in God based on evidence, even if we don't have total proof. For instance, none of us were at the foot of the cross where Jesus was crucified and at his grave when he rose again. But we know that there is evidence that the resurrection happened. There are eyewitnesses that Jesus revealed himself to over the course of many days before he ascended into heaven, for example. In terms of the Hebrews 11 verse 1 context, the context of Hebrews 11 is to warn and encourage the people that were facing trials to maintain their faith in God and not to return to their old ways. The essence of the passage is to strengthen the faith of believers. And Hebrews 11 verse 1 was the one that says, the well-known verse that says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When we are exercising our faith, we're trusting God is who he says he is and that he will do what he said he will do. And what we hope for is Christ's return and our eternal life. And so faith underpins this hope that we have of eternal life. It's us believing that what Jesus has done is complete. Our understanding of faith is inextricably linked to God and what we believe about him and what he has done or said that he will do. We walk with the knowledge that there is more beyond what is physical. This is our faith, that Jesus finished work on the cross means we will have eternal life if we believe in him and we are saved. So faith for us is not just a mental attitude. In terms of similarities or seeming similarities that I found in my research around manifestation and what we believe, one of them is the idea of wanting something. And so we may think, well, this sounds a lot like hope and the Bible has a lot to say about hope and Hebrews 11 verse 1 says faith is the substance of things hoped for however our hope transcends beyond this material world as I've already explained and then there's meditation and this is something that is quite prevalent when you're manifesting it almost goes hand in hand and so meditation is a practice that involves focusing Or clearing your mind using a combination of mental and physical techniques. It has religious origins, but nowadays you don't really seem to have to be religious to practice it. So mindful.org says when we meditate, we inject far-reaching and long-lasting benefits into our lives. We lower our stress levels, we get to know our pain, we connect better, we improve our focus and we're kinder to ourselves. What we're doing here is aiming for mindfulness not some process that magically wipes your mind clear of the countless and endless thoughts that erupt and ping constantly in our brains. We're just practicing bringing our attention to our breath and then back to the breath when we notice our attention has wandered. It's easy to almost make a connection between this and having quiet time which is a time of separation deep thinking or deep thought and deep prayer. What does the Bible have to say about what meditation is for a Christian? When we meditate, are we clearing our minds? Are we drawing our attention to our breath? Are we drawing our attention and trying to focus our mind back on within ourselves? Are we trying to practice more mindfulness? Are we trying to, in some instances, wipe our mind clear of countless and endless thoughts? Because That definitely is an element of what meditation is as well, even though mindful.org seems to say otherwise. Psalm 119 verse 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Psalm 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love you, Lord! It is my meditation all the day. In Job 22, verse 22, we see, Receive, please, instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. In Joshua 1, verse 8, it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, that you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. In Psalm 63, verse 6, we see when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Philippians 4, verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. We see from these and so many more verses in the Bible that what we're called to do as Christians is not clearing our minds or connecting with our inner self to truly understand our desires or to relax. We're finding our minds with the word of God. We are meditating on God. We are meditating on his word. We're meditating on his ways. We are keeping our minds stayed on him so that's a big difference another concept is that fear can block manifestation so what does the bible say around fear and are there instances of people who were afraid in the bible but who god still saved or came through for in their respective situation or did fear block blessings so there are two types of fear in the bible we have the fear of the lord and we have fear which is more like an anxiety or an anxious type of fear the first the fear of the lord is encouraged while the latter is not. God says often in the Bible, fear not, or be of good courage. However, while anxiety fear is never encouraged, God never says, fear not, or I won't fulfill my promise to you. We've got Gideon, who asked God for multiple signs before doing what he told him to do. We have Esther, who was hesitant to enter the king's court when he hadn't summoned her, because she could lose her life. We've got Elijah who ran when Jezebel threatened his life. We've got so many instances of fear in the Bible, which, although not encouraged, are not described as a blessing blocker. And then we have the idea of working towards the manifestation of our goals, So how is that similar to what we as Christians would do? Well, the science-based manifesting approach shows that if we truly believe that we can achieve something, we're willing to put in the work to achieve it. And that is key. That manifestation takes work. So to manifest what we want, we need to believe we can do it, feel strongly enough about it to be persistent And ultimately engage in the behaviors that bring about the outcomes we desire. In James 2 verse 26, we've got the very popular verse that speaks about faith, about how faith without works being dead. And so we can very easily, maybe at first glance, think, well, this sounds exactly like James 2 verse 26. Faith without works is dead. We're meant to work towards our goals. We ask God. We work towards it. We achieve it. However, James 2 verse 26 is not about doing something to guarantee an outcome. We already have the gift of salvation. We have the hope of eternal life. We have the Holy Spirit as our guarantee, not our thoughts or our works or energy and vibrations. And so the works that this verse is talking about when it says faith without works is dead are the outward reflection of a saved heart and so they're our fruit as christians it's what we do as a result of being saved it's not what we're doing in order to be saved or in order to achieve success or to achieve prosperity or to achieve peace for instance interestingly enough when i started researching for this topic i immediately noticed a stark similarity to their word of faith movement which we find in a lot of charismatic circles. Some descriptions of what the Word of Faith movement is are thirdmill.org says, The Word of Faith message essentially teaches a false view of faith, health, and prosperity. On faith, essentially, God is subject to the authority of man upon earth. They use a formula to name it, claim it, and frame it. Essentially, one names what they desire and continue to confess it. They claim it. Until they have it, then they frame it. Prayer is replaced by confession. It presents God as some sort of cosmic genie. GodQuestions.org says that the heart of the Word of Faith movement is the belief in the force of faith. It is believed words can be used to manipulate the faith force and thus actually create what they believe scripture promises, which is health and wealth. Laws supposedly governing the faith force are said to operate independently of God's sovereign will and that God himself is subject to these laws. InspiredWalk.com says the Word of Faith theology dangerously infuses the Bible with various New Age philosophies, law of attraction techniques, and the false prosperity gospel doctrine. So, the crux of what Word of Faith preachers teach is that God promises us health, He promises us wealth, and any dream or material desire to anyone who practices their distorted faith related formulas and theologies. Some prominent preachers associated with the Word of Faith movement one being Creflo Dollar. He has a book called Eight Steps to Create the Life You Want, and the book synopsis says confidence, peace, and abundant life. We all long for these things, but in this life-changing book, author and renowned pastor Dr. Creflo A. Dollar challenges readers to stop wishing for a satisfying life. Instead, Dr. Dollar proclaims we should be claiming the success that God promises today. We do not have to be defined by past failures or mediocrity. We must move forward into the richness available to us right now. God has glorious plans for each of us, and all we have to do is take hold of them. If you don't like the way you feel, says Donna, you've got to change the way you think. By making manageable steps along the way, each of us can achieve life to the fullest until it overflows. Kenneth Copeland is another one and he's been quoted as saying he want healing, he won deliverance, he won financial prosperity, mental prosperity, physical prosperity, family prosperity. He said he would meet my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I'm walking around and saying, yes, my needs are met according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. Glory to God. I'm coveting to the need meter. I'm coveting to the I am. Hallelujah. And I say this with all respect, but I don't upset you too bad. But I said, anyways, when I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. And finally, Kenneth E. Hagen has been quoted as saying, if you talk about sickness, it will develop sickness in your system. If you talk about your doubts, your doubts will become stronger and they will destroy your faith. If you talk about your lack of finances, it will stop the money from coming in. The Word of Faith movement actually needs its own episode and a whole lot more research on my side on that topic. So I don't want to say too much more about that. I'm just going to leave it there and encourage you to do your own research on its core tenets in the meantime and why at first glance, it is a movement that is very appealing, but I do think that we should be aware of in a lot of ways. (music) In terms of reality or practical solutions and therapy techniques when it comes to thoughts, I thought it would be interesting to contrast manifestation with what you'd actually find if you were to go to, let's say, therapy. And is it aligned? Are therapists also recommending manifestation to patients or is that actually not the case? So the Mayo Clinic says, research has shown that positive thinking, one of the core concepts of manifestation, can be beneficial to your overall mental well-being. It can lead to lower instances of depression and better coping skills during stressful situations. So this should come as no surprise to us as Christians because we're told in Philippians 4 verse 8 that whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and anything praiseworthy, we should meditate on these things. However, manifestation is not just positive thinking. And just like our faith, as we've seen, is not simply positive thinking. Both of these, manifestation and our faith, the biblical definition of our faith, have deep roots, but they're not the same thing at all. And only one is founded on truth. Also, a tactic of the devil is sometimes to turn our curiosity into strongholds by making something seem like it works. I read The Secret and Varsity. It was was recommended by a friend of mine at the time. I remember trying it out one day, and when I was hoping to attract dream, but that actually happened multiple times. It wasn't long before I was doing research on using our thoughts for levitation of objects because the reading I was doing led me to that. Satan will nudge us down, down, down a rabbit hole. And before we know it, we're seeped in New Age theology and practices and thinking it's okay because you've been deceived by The Dibble interestingly 2 corinthians 11 verse 14 says and no wonder for satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light interestingly i also found in my reading of articles on life that a lot of psychiatrists have an issue with the concept of manifestation one because clients often come to them in the aftermath of manifestation gone wrong for lack of a better term or another reason being clients grappling with whether they cause bad things in their lives to happen due to not believing for the good hard enough or due to thinking negative thoughts remember the power of our thoughts is the pillar of manifestation and so we have people wondering if they caused a parent to die because of something they thought the key part of therapy is about separating our thoughts from reality and understanding how we are not our thoughts if you spoke to any new mom about intrusive thoughts you'll probably get a mouthful on what a burden there can be I can only imagine what living with the belief that my thoughts are so powerful they will create the bad things i fear would be like a question i have is if it was as simple as thinking our problems away why do we still have poverty not just globally but in eastern where this supposedly originated and western where it's recently been popularized civilizations today if it was as simple as buying a book getting a manifestation toolbox getting some crystals Why are people more depressed now than ever before in history? I'm guessing the answer would include the word vibration in it. So in closing, I definitely have my concerns around this movement. Some people may say that this is just a new word for what Christians are called to do, have faith. But we have a word and a specific meaning for faith. And it fundamentally does not mean the same thing as we've seen. We don't need new words for faith. We don't need new words for quiet time. We don't need new words for prayer. They exist. Their faith, quiet time, prayer. We also do not co-create with the universe and substituting God in universe is us essentially saying what the world calls the universe, we call God. No, God is God. He created the universe. He's not the same thing as something he created. Likewise, he's not the same as us, nor are we the same as him. He's God. We also need to ask ourselves as Christians and be honest what the allure is to these movements. And I don't want to make assumptions, but there have been and will be many of these types of appealing messages in the future and we can't simply take them and try repackage them in Christian wrapping paper if their core principles are problematic when compared to exegetical interpretations of the Bible. Friends, we don't need more supernatural revelation of who God is. If God gave absolutely no more visions, no more dreams, no more prophecies, if there were no more miracles other than salvation from this moment on, what we would have is still everything we would need in order to live a life that glorifies God. And that's the Word of God. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you tune in next time. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and follow up this podcast or leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. This is me saying goodbye and reminding you of your ultimate calling in this moment, this day, and this week to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever.